It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of The Table. Uh, my name is Jason Squires, and this is our mentor chat. Um, and this is a group of people that I love hanging out with. Uh, this These conversations are so much fun. And um, the, and today, let's go around before we get into the topic and just kind of t- and introduce everybody on the call. Um, Tim, why don't you kick us off? Hey, my name is Tim Tibbles. Excited to be here for this conversation today. Uh, I'm from a uh, suburb of Tulsa, Oklahoma, in a place called First Church. I'm the creative arts and worship minister here. So excited to be a part of this. Love it. Love it. How about you, Amber? Hi, I'm Amber Pierce. I am from the Dallas-Fort Worth area here in Texas, and I am a part of Gateway Worship at Gateway Church, but I also am the founder of The Worship Life, where I travel internationally and teach and coach worship teams, consult churches, and also lead worship. And I am honored to be here with you today. Awesome. And how about you, Joe? Um, Joe Hornis. I was the worship director at Willow Creek Community Church. Many of you have heard of that one in Chicago for about 30 years. And uh, so you'll know why that's appropriate to our age-related discussion uh, coming <laughs> up. But uh, And uh, now, similar to Grant and Amber, I am uh, currently leading worship where it's needed around where I live, but primarily uh, mentoring and training, coaching worship leaders online through the uh, Engaging the Heart Worship Collective. Awesome. And Grant, how about you, man? Yeah, thanks, Jason. Uh, Hello, everybody. My name is Grant Norsworthy. I'm part of this conversation from my home in New Zealand. Woo-hoo. And Woo. uh, I lived in Nashville, Tennessee for 17 years up until not so many years ago, uh, which is where I met some of these people that are on the call. But I um, am a speaker and a musician, and I head up a thing called More Than Music Mentor, which provides training for the heart and the art of worshipping musicians. So good. So good. This conversation today uh, is going to come, uh, I think each one of us is going to bring a different a different com- part of this conversation in um, in January this month, we've been talking about identity and a worship leader and leadership, identity as a creative and um, and what that looks like. And as we kind of wrap the month up, I wanted to um, just talk about a, a phrase that comes up in ministry, comes up in as people have been in ministry for a long time. And that phrase is, "You're too old to lead worship." It's not a it's not a fun phrase to to hear. And I we we've all heard it. We've all heard that um, you know aging out or you know what? What's what's next for you? Or those kind of like those kind of conversations in that realm. And I, what do you guys think when you hear when you hear somebody say, you know, you're too old to lead worship, or um, you are uh, just like that's that comes across. What what are some of the first things that come to your mind, um, Tim? I want to start with you. What do what are you thinking? Uh, I kind of have two thoughts, and I'll save one of them for later. But I think as a part of generation X, which we are the forgotten generation. Uh, we were, we, <laughs> nobody talks about us. Uh, our parents left us at home by ourselves. Um, we, uh, we were the generation that came in to church and said, this can, this can be done differently. And so we spent a lot of our generation kind of undoing the traditions of the church to create something new. And so 
what I find interesting about this conversation is we now find ourselves on the opposite side of the conversation we were having when we were younger first saying, how can, how can we do this differently? We're, we're, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, we're tired of the tradition, we're tired of the monotony, we're tired of the repetitiveness. And we, we really feel like there can be, there can be more to this. And early on in our generation, we were removing a lot of older worship pastors and leaders of the church to create something new. And now we are on the opposite side of this. And so I find this interesting uh, for, for my generation specifically, that we've now hit the age where we're having to ask the question, are we too old to lead worship? So that's kind of the first thing that comes yeah. to my mind, you know, and we can kind of unpack that as we go. But, uh, but it's, you know, when I was that age, I never really thought I'd be having this conversation, but here we are. <laughs> I love it. I led uh, how, great, how Great Is Our God a few months ago. And this uh, teenager came up and told me how uh, he was excited to hear the hymns in the church. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow that just got yeah. that just got real real that got real <laughs> real real he even said he he went on to tell me that how the, the the hymn the hymn how great is our god uh he liked how it felt like a modern song but man clearly written you know clearly written a long time ago and i was like i yeah, don't even know what that means i don't the even 1900s, know 1900s so the 1900s <laughs> but uh yeah grant what what are you thinking grant Oh, I was just really appreciating what, what Tim said there because it's so true. You know, um, I'm old enough to have, remember that horrible tension uh, as people who had grown up with organ, piano, choir sort of approach to church music. And then the, someone brought an electric guitar in and a drum kit and it was sacrilege. It was horrible. Um, the devil's music. And, uh, yeah, the, yeah, we heard phrases like that. So this this phrase, um, "You're too old to lead worship." I, I I haven't heard that myself. I don't know if it's ever really spoken that clearly to someone. Yeah, it might be, but I think it's actually other things that are happening that make maybe church leadership feel that a particular person isn't suitable for that role anymore. And it's probably more than just how old they are. It might be their approach. So. You know, I read a book by by a guy named M. Scott Peck many years ago. It's a book from the 70s. It's called The Road Less Traveled. Mm. And M. Scott Peck uh, wasn't a believer when he wrote that book. It's actually a psychology book, but he came to faith in Jesus afterwards, I'm pleased about to tell you. And he, he said that when we're born, every one of us, it's like we're given a blank sheet of paper. And we're given a pencil and an eraser. This is a metaphor, people. It's not reality. Um, and our job is to draw a map of truth throughout life. And he said that what actually happens to most people somewhere in their, in their 20s is they put down the eraser and their pencil and they say, my map of truth is complete now. Mm. I'm done. Wow. It's too much work to add to this map. This is where I am. So... When someone gets older, it's actually very true that most of us very easily say, look, I'm kind of complete now. I don't need to learn anything else. And that's just not true. M. Scott Peck tells us that we must, we must stay cartographers throughout our whole lives. We must be reviewing our current map of, of truth. And as difficult as it is and as painful as it might be, we must be prepared to pick up the eraser and the pencil and make changes to this map. Now, there are certain core truths that will always be on our map. Jesus is the Christ. Mm. But 
what sort of music can we use in a church service has got to be in pencil on the map. Yep. How people connect with God through songs must be in pencil. That is more important than your chrono chronological age. And if you have arrived at this is how I do it, this is how it's done, then you are too old to lead worship, quote, yeah. quote unquote. No, I love I, I love that analogy. I love that picture. I love that pencil eraser. That's such a good, that just says it right there. Right. And it's become a, an approach to life for me, not just in music. And so I remember like promising myself when that old lady, when I was 19 years old, said, Grant, that band is not worship. You know, when she was so upset at me, I promised myself I would never be like her mm. to young people. I have to be ready for some kid to walk in with a laptop and go, we don't need a band anymore. This is how it goes. And he pushes one button and there we go. <laughs> like I have to be ready for that. <laughs> or someone comes in and says, it has to be all rap now, no melody. Because that's how shocking it was to that old lady when I brought in a drum kit and a bass guitar and electric guitar. It was that, that big a jolt for her. I have to be ready for that. And I don't want to be that. Oh, my map's in ink. You're wrong. I have to be in pencil. That's my approach. And I think that'll help us all. Such a good, such a good space. I, I stole it from M. Scott Pick. It's not my original. No, but, but it's I, a good approach, right? I'm going to, I'm going to go read that book. That's such a, that's such a good, such a good picture into this conversation about, about that. And you're not wrong when people, when, when you, you get older, you tend to, re, you tend to refer back to things that were, you're constant in your 20s like this is right. this is and when i learned actually, or this is when you started or maybe not in your 20s maybe when you started but yeah it's we freeze our maps when we feel the most cool the most good about ourselves the most powerful you know this is why i hope my brother doesn't listen to this my my younger brother he still loves Def leopard you know he still loves you know like this is it man you know like um people who are younger are more willing to accept the new the different not just not just in music, but in food and in fashion and everything. Yep. And older people tend to be like, nope, I've got the same friends. I vote the same way. I believe I believe in God exactly the same way as I did when I was 27. And and we need to be growing and changing no matter how old we are. So, so true. Amber, what are you thinking? Man, that is so good. And it's so true, Grant, because I, I have been guilty of this as far as being stuck like not in necessarily the worship world but in my own personal like music that i listen to i still listen to music from the 80s and that's my preference i watch 80s movies like i'm stuck and i'm telling my husband this like what is wrong with me like i don't want to watch really new movies i don't want to really listen i'll listen to some new music but and i will with worship but it's like in in other genres like when i'm just you know, listening to, you know, cleaning the house, I am stuck in this, in my 18 year old self, a lot of times. And you have to be very intentional as you get older, especially um, in the church to, to grow and adapt. Um, you know, because if you can adapt and change, um, especially as a worshiper, a worship leader, that's going to make you a better musician. But what I, I don't hear it as much either anymore, but I, you know, I think things have changed a little bit. You, you know, they talk about fifties, the new 40 and things are different. Like we hang around very young people. But when I think about when I was in church and I was 18, 19, 20 years old, I was not hanging around 50 year olds. 
You know, it's like, it's so different today. And I love, I know we talked about this on one of your podcasts. I love seeing when the church is multi-generational because we mm-hmm. serve a multi-generational God. Like we all have something to bring to the table. And, you know, I think a lot of this, uh, you're too old, does stem, like Grant said too, from a specific situation or a person that can't adapt. Um, and this has been said about, this generation, like they paint it with just one brush of, well, if you're older, you're not going to be able to do the more contemporary styles, or you're not going to be able to express or, or sing uh, the same as someone that's 20. And that's just not true. uh, If you put in the effort and the time and that we can unpack that later, but that's, I'm a proponent of, I don't, I don't give into the aging out thing. Like, You can do that to yourself, but you can choose to, you know, work on your craft and get better and listen to other types of music and learn from the younger generation just as much as they're going to learn from you and surround yourself um, with people of different ages and not silo yourself off into your own little world uh, where you're stuck. And the, the people I've seen that know how to adapt and grow and mature and always learn um they're the ones that do well in their 50s and even 60s and on on a multi-generational team and the church therefore also is multi-generational and it's a beautiful thing to see all the generations worshiping together but i don't think that just because you're a certain age you should be disqualified from leading because i've seen many a leader who is in their fifties and sixties and they are powerfully anointed to lead, but that is not the case with everybody. Just like every young person is not immature. And that means every older person isn't necessarily experienced or mature as well. So, so true. So good. Joe, what are you, what are you thinking? There's so many uh, great truths here to unpack and think about. And one of them, I think, with sort of using Grant's analogy and and Amber's is, I think, is the importance of, if you are a worship leader, uh, the importance of growing. And that means growing as a musician, growing as a vocalist. I still sit under, you know, new worship leaders and everybody I can and watch and learn what they do and what's effective and what's working and and so growing as you know musically and and um just in your craft but um but i also think to me um the most important one of the most important aspects of being a worship leader is that we are growing spiritually that we walk with god in a, a deeper and deeper way and i can tell you at my age now, I my understanding of God and his love and his unbelievable grace and forgiveness and what that is, is so much richer and deeper and different than it was when I was being really hip and cool and leading, you know, when I was in my 30s. And, and now I go, you know, I want, but I want to sit under worship leaders that lead me to know God on a deeper level that lead me to open my heart to him. And, and I think ultimately I still, I still think um, 
you know, sort of the the eighties and nineties, the willow years have had still have an impact that we think programming is the way to grow your church. You know, if it's cool and if it's hip and if it's the right age and you got a guitar player with tattoos and a and a and a guitar and you know and some of that and I think it's dawning on us little by little that what really draws people to come to church to stay in church is is when they encounter when they truly encounter God when they engage with him and meet with him and worship is something more than singing cool songs but it is you leave going I met with and I heard from and I talked with with God and and he spoke to me today and and that's something I think we really underestimate the value of age and learning from people that have have walked with God for 40, 50 years and what they've learned and the depth of that relationship and what they bring to a worship experience that sometimes our 20-year-olds um, can't yet. They just haven't known God that long. And I think we really do the church a disservice when we uh, jettison uh, old worship leaders and tell them they're too old and we lose their experience and their heart and and decades of them walking with God and say, well, it's time for us to get somebody that's cool now. And um, And I think what people really long for is to encounter God. And sometimes it's your older worship leaders that help you do that best. Yeah, I was uh, listening to an episode of the Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast, and he was mm. talking about church mm. trends just as just recently. And the person he was interviewing, he asked her um, how she views church. She's she's a millennial, and she said when she grew up, she grew up in a in a in a world where we tried to attract people to church with mm-hmm. like bounce houses and gifts and things and all of the you know all of the things. And she said now as an adult on staff at church, she realized authenticity is what is drawing people that generation is working on i just want just 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 be you just be you and just don't don't try and trick me into church don't try and trick me into a space where i you know now i've you've dangled the carrot now i'm in now now what's what's behind the door it's more like the authenticity and i love that that kind of the thread through all of our our answers here are if you're authentic to yourself then and you're authentic to the people around you and you're you, you are literally showing people jesus like you can't, there's no age that says that is the right, that is wrong, or that is, that is correct. But it, it also involves you noticing that in yourself and realizing you are getting older. And what does that mean to a younger generation? And, um, you know, how does that, how does that play out? Joe, one of the things I love about you is that you, in this conversation, in all of our conversations, you have the most experience mm-hmm. in all of these things, but you still, you come to the conversation ready to listen and ready to be like, to observe and to contribute. And um, I love how you model that. And for those people that are listening, he doesn't just say that he models that in the conversation yep. as well. Yep. And we off offline, offline and behind before we hit record. And even there's a chat window in our, in our, in our call. Oftentimes we're like, we just, we oftentimes are saying, just sit back and let Joe talk. Joe has all <laughs> the answers. Joe's got everything. Right. But you know, but it's one of those yeah. things where it's like, as, as you have more experience, it's like, you technically have more things to share, but you are also part of the conversation, listening and growing and helping others. Now, as you, as we kind of sit back and listen to the, some of these things, I know somebody's listening that's like maybe in a role where they're feeling like their leadership's pushing them out. 
Like, you know, there's, you know, your time is coming to an end or like, I just, you know, either like your time might be coming to an end. You need to do some things. What would you say to the person who's like, I, how do I respond if leadership is saying things like, you know, you're too old or, you know, you need to, you need to do this to, in order to appeal. Is that, uh, you know, I don't want you, I don't want anyone to walk away saying the table told you to quit your job, but like, what do you guys what do you guys think when you hear if if someone's sitting here listening going i'm i feel like i'm i'm being pushed out because of how old i am or maybe that's just me what are some what what are some thoughts to kind of that scenario i'll i'll start off on this one this was a huge this is a huge thing for me um as i'm trying to prepare for you know whatever this last season looks like and nobody's pushing me out but i'm trying to think in advance of okay um <laughs> there's this great scene in Jurassic Park right so i call this my Jurassic Park theory so get ready for this <laughs> um i think his character's name is Stanley he runs the IT for Jurassic Park and at one point he even brags about he he can run the whole park from one single workstation at his desk you know and how uh, he would have you know the owner would have to pay you know millions of dollars to be able to do the kind of work that he does the crazy thing is is he goes rogue at one point. He gets eaten by a dinosaur and the whole park collapses because he's not at his workstation doing the thing that he's created for him to do. And, and oftentimes I think we, we create church this way. We put ourselves in the center and we build a kingdom that can be run from our workstation. Um, and so I call this my Jurassic Park theory, right? Like we don't ever, if we get eaten by a dinosaur, we need the kingdom of God to be able to go on. <laughs> so, uh, you know, as Jesus tells a story in Matthew 25, uh, that the kingdom is God is like a king who decides to go on a journey and he entrusts three of his servants to his possessions. And to one he gives 10, to one he gives five, and to one he gives one, each according to his own ability. One of the parts that always gets me is that when Jesus tells the story, he says, when the king returns from his journey, he asks for his possessions back. And I think it's important for all of us in leadership to recognize that we are stewarding something that is not ours. And there will come a day, there will come a day when the king will want his thing back. And so I think it's incumbent upon us, regardless of when the end comes, whether it's fair, unfair, whether we're too old or too young or a decision from another pastor or leadership changes or whatever that is, to be always constantly working towards creating something that A, doesn't depend on us because we are not creating kingdoms for ourselves, uh, but B, is something better than what we were given in the beginning. And so as I'm getting older and as I'm starting to think about, you know, what do the last 10, 15 years look like in ministry for me? Uh, my mind has moved more and more to the parable of the talents and thinking, okay, how do I build something? that when it's done, I can hand it back to the Lord and say, here, Lord, here's what you've given me. Here's 10 more, you know? And uh, the thing that he got upset with the the guy who he gave one was not that he gave him back what he, what he, you know, was originally given, but that he did nothing with it. And I don't ever want to be in a place where I do nothing. And I, I think when I think back to my original conversation with you guys about being the generation that wanted to do things differently, we have to constantly be thinking about what was it that we wanted to be done differently. We wanted it to be more authentic. We didn't want to be hindered by this is the way we've always done it. We never we wanted a place at the table. So we have to constantly be creating those things so that when we leave, um, it's 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 better than when we found it. 
And so, um, you know, that's kind of the first thing I think about when it's, when that end comes, whatever that looks like, the King will return. He will ask for his possessions back. We have to be ready to give him something better than what he left us with in the first place. Amen. Amen. Grant, what are you thinking? Yeah. And we have to be, we have to be able to get out of ourselves too. You know, we have to be thinking, look, what's, what's more important, me being on the platform, leading the congregation or the health of the church moving forward mm-hmm. overall, the big picture. Like I, I'm hoping that we can be more of the second mindset where we want to create the platform and pass the baton to people who are younger, people who are, who are, needing those opportunities so that they can they can grow it's i think it's interesting that three people on this four people on this five person call have trans are transitioning to passing on their knowledge to others in fact all of us are mm-hmm. we're realizing that you know maybe that position in front of the microphone with a guitar in my neck isn't the the be all and end all of how i can serve the, the church uh so you know I, I remember a situation not so long ago where um, there was a, a big youth conference happening, a big for New Zealand, small uh, youth conference <laughs> happening. And I got involved in the music and I realized that, man, this is this is a youth event. I'm too old to be the singer at the front. I found this 18-year-old guy that had not as not a good a singer voice singing voice as me, but a great vibe and a great heart for God. And I put myself in the back row playing bass guitar with a hat on, you know, <laughs> like I the the kids engaged more because I I think I gave that opportunity to a young guy to be out there. Now was he as mature? Did he sing as well? And I, I you know like probably probably not. But I think overall the connection was better because I put myself in the back row. And I don't know, I guess that's the only thing I'd want to say there is that maybe it is time for us to transition away from that. Um, we we can so easily think that I've got to be the person on the platform leading here because why you know are we getting our sense of self-worth from that position on the platform in front of a crowd or are we getting our sense of self-worth from jesus and i think if we are continuing to find more and more of our identity in christ and less in what we do for god we might find ourselves actually agreeing with our leaders who are saying maybe it's time for you to transition to something else I don't know. We've got to be open to that. We've got to be open to that. We've but I love that. I love the like transition opportunities for others. I love the transition to empowering and not just stepping away, but if you're going to step away, how do you take what you know and empower the next and not, and not be like, you know, like we, we jokingly said, put the pastor out to pasture before we hopped on here. And, and it like, but it's like, what does that mean? No, it means how do you take what you know and go, I want to help the next and give that guy, I mean, like you mentioned, who wouldn't have had that opportunity to stand out in front. The first time I ever led worship was uh, by my, like actually was the one leading. Um, the guy that I used to, that I, I was well, was mentoring me, jokingly called in sick. He, he, he called me in the morning of and said, hey, I can't be here. I can't be there today. And um and I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm leading. And I, I stepped in to lead and he walked in the back of the room partway through the set and waved at me from the back of the room. And <laughs> afterwards he was like, I wasn't actually sick. You just needed me not to be there in order to, in order to be successful as a leader. 
and you were leaning on me too much and I needed to kind of let you go. I'm like, you could have given me more than the morning of, but I mean, it's fine. It's fine. But it, you know, but, um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's taking a step back and realizing that there's moments to empower and there's moments to kind of give them a space forward. But Joe, Amber, do you guys have some thoughts? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it does all boil back to identity, what we've been talking about. Um, and I, I've been challenged with this myself, just, just at gateway, I've had a lot of the younger people on the worship team, you know, they'll jokingly call me their gateway mom. Hey, gateway mom. And they'll hug me. And for a while, I literally would cringe inside when they call me their gateway mom. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, and I seriously had this argument in my head. I don't want to be the mom. You know, that's not cool. Like, I don't want to be the mom. I want to be the cool sister or the cool aunt. And I had this, like, really had an issue with it. And it was, it was through a prophetic word that I received right after that. Nobody knew that I was battling this identity um, in my head of, of not wanting to be a mother. I didn't want to be called a mom. And I got a prophetic word from someone who said, and the very first line of that word was, mother to the motherless mm. and I was and I just had tears in my eyes it was like the Lord said there are worshipers these this young generation of worshipers need moms and dads they need spiritual mothers and fathers in the house um that that have had the experience you've had in worship and with a relationship with the Lord as Joe was saying walking with the Lord for many years they need you. They need your wisdom. They need your love. They need your support. And not to, to, to forsake that and look down on that, but to, to receive that. But what I realized was, I think a lot of us growing up, maybe we didn't really receive that identity as a son and a daughter first, you know, a son and a daughter of God. And, you know, you, you have, before you can be a mom or a father, you're a son or a daughter. And, and to receive that identity as a child of God, it was mind blowing for me that I just skipped over even being a daughter. Like, I felt like I wasn't really a daughter of the house, a daughter. I didn't see myself as that. That was not my identity. It was worship leader, singer. And this is why it's so important to, that your identity is not in what you do. It's in who you are and who you belong to. You're a, you're a son and a daughter. And then as you grow and you mature in the Lord, then you can, you can be a mother or a father, um, a spiritual father and mother to these young worship leaders that you're making a way for them. Um, but you can still worship together. And I love that. And and if, if you choose to stay in it, which, which I, at, at my, at 51, I'm like, I'm, I'm in it for a while. I want to be in it for a while. Um, and so I just take care of my craft and I, I work on, on the practical side, the technical side, the musical side, but also spiritually I'm growing, I'm reading books, I'm learning, but I'm also like we had talked about being sensitive when the time is to pass the baton, when the time is to make way for the next generation and to develop and empower them and Instead of seeing it as an identity attack on, oh, they're pushing me out. I love what they said. Take it as a, a moment to empower others because that is what's needed in the house of God. We need 
mentors. And maybe many of us didn't have a mentor. I did not. And so let's be that for somebody else. Love, yeah. I, I love that. And if anybody is just sitting here listening, you have permission to get older. Everyone's going to do mm-hmm. it. Like you, uh, people fight it and like, I'm, you know, like they, like I'm not getting older. Age is just a number, blah, blah, blah. You're like, no, you have permission to get older. It's actually, it is an okay thing to do. Go do it. Everybody's doing it. Every, everyone's do all the cool kids are doing it, right? We're doing it every day, getting older. And like, there is space, there is space for you. Um, Joe, what, 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 what are you thinking? Well, two, just two thoughts, but one, I mean, one of these days, you know, one of the, our sessions, we should just come back and do a whole thing on mentoring. Cause that's a lot what we're talking about. But I yeah. think, I think as we get older, we've talked about growing in your craft, you know, that vocally and musically, you continue to grow and stretch and stay relevant and be able to do what you do better and better be- musically. We've talked about walking with God in a way that your heart grows deeper and richer and more authentic and that your worship more and less and less comes from your performance and more and more comes from your heart. And that's the stuff that, you know, that I think when you, if you're going to be an older worship leader, it's then you, you can't dance around and do the MIG Mick Jagger thing. It, it's when it, it's when you lead in a way that the people in the room go, when you lead, I meet with Jesus. I want to know him like you do. Mm. And that's the advantage that just come that only you only really comes with age, you know, or that at least continues to grow with age. And I, I think those are important. But then I think all of us, you know, and this has come along as we grow older, was would be to say, I tried to get I got to a point where I tried to never lead where I didn't have somebody on stage I was in the process of mentoring. And I had kind of a whole system on, you know, what process they were in, what step of the mentoring they were in. But I remember one time, um, there was a kid named Scott. I had been mentoring him for a long time. I led him to Christ at one point, phenomenal voice. And then I would start working with him as a worship leader. And um and it got to the point where I said, okay, this week, Scott, you're leading it. We worked on the worship order together. We crafted it. And I said, this one's yours, dude. I'm playing piano and singing backups and can't wait to see you go. And um, and he, he just hit the ball out of the auditorium, out of the park. I mean, he he just led with a heart and a passion and skill. It was unbelievable. And I remember coming down the stairs off the stage and everybody was going, oh, Scott, this, Scott, that, oh, Scott, this, Scott, that. And not one person, you know, and even our pastor, who at one point told me that I was barking up the wrong tree mentoring Scott, um, nobody came over and said, way to go, Joe. You know, way to believe and way to mentor, a way to pour your life into, you know, so I'm driving Way to go, Joe. <laughs> Way to go, Joe. <laughs> I'm I'm um, I'm driving home and I'm realizing I've got an attitude. You know, you I'm I'm hurt. I'm wounded that you know, and 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 I remember right back you can tell it was a while ago, I pulled into a blockbuster parking lot <laughs> and I just said, Okay, God, let's just be honest. You know, I pour, spent a year or more pouring in and not one, nobody gave me credit. Nobody even recognized what I poured, you know, 
And it was one of those few times in my life where I felt like God spoke to me almost audibly, where a thought comes to you so clearly and so, you know, specifically that you went, that was not me. And into the middle of my whining came this thought that said, if 30 years from now, there are worship leaders all over the world who are giving me honor and glory because you invested in them and nobody knows your name. Are you okay with that? Wow. And I remember just breaking into tears and wow. weeping in my car mm. and just going, oh God, I would be so okay with that. I would be so okay with that. And then it was like the next thing from God was then get on with it, you know? Yep. Then, then, then go bring me glory, honor me as best you can, but all be pouring your life into, into, into others that can do the same. And so I think for all of, you know, anybody that's listening to go, as you're growing older as a worship leader, the thing to longevity is that you grow musically, that you grow spiritually. So you have more and more depth and richness in your relationship with God to bring. But I think that that mentoring process where you go, but I also get to take what I've learned and what God's taught me and pour it into somebody else and being willing to walk away and then nobody knows your name. And 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 you go, now that's a beautiful place to be when you get there. And that, my friends, is Joe Hornus. That was <laughs> so my gosh, yes, all of that. All of that. And um I love I love all of that. And that puts it kind of like I think ties this conversation up really nicely just to go like it is if it when when it's your time and it is your time to step back, like the 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 goal is that people are meeting Jesus. And mm -hmm. that is so much more important than everything else. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, hey, as we as we wrap up today, um and, and kind of wrap up our, our conversation, um, one of the things we do on this podcast is talk about food. And so, um, in light of this conversation and in light of where we're, we just kind of were, I have, a, I have a question that I feel like is a lost art in today's world. Um, and that's the art of making s'mores around a campfire. Mm -hmm. So if you're at a campfire or a fire pit and out come the graham crackers, the marshmallows, the chocolate, you know, as you sit there and you roast your marshmallow and you make the s'more one, are you a s'mores fan? And is that a thing that you enjoy doing? And two, have you ever gone beyond a traditional s'more and ventured into a more creative world with other things? Amber, you're shaking your head. Tell us about what that means for you. Yes, I love s'mores. I love everything s'mores. So mm -hmm. I used to eat that cereal that was s'mores. Oh, yeah. yes. Remember? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> they made a cereal uh, out of it. Amber needs yeah. a moment. Amber needs a moment. This is. I need a moment. Give me, come back to me in a second. I gotta get to. I'm heading to the grocery store. Can I interject right for now. a second here? Yeah. May I interject for a second? Um, I did. I had no idea what a s'mores was before I moved to America. Wow. This is a very American thing. So we might welcome to welcome to America. The United States. Yeah. Wow. Now, uh, so maybe one of the Americans can explain the campfire setting. You know yeah. the like. Yes. Tell tell the listeners who aren't American what this is about. Yeah, you sit around Good a campfire. Word. Which and just just kind of one, you, it's a great place to meet and chat and tell stories and connect with people. Um, but Think two, kumbaya. thing exactly, yeah. get the guitar out. It's a, but number two, there's got to be a snack. There's got to be food. So you roast a marshmallow, and over the fire, over the fire over on the a stick, fire. on a stick, 
preferably one that you whittled out from the out from the forest, uh, and then you roast it over the fire, and then you a Hershey's chocolate and a graham cracker. You smash that marshmallow, and it melts the chocolate just a little bit, warms up the graham cracker, and it and, is. And the uh, graham cracker is is what. Like is, that's another, it's like a sandwich. It's, it's like your a sandwich. The yeah, the graham, you're saying what's a graham cracker? I don't know how to explain it. Gra- what a is cookie? a graham cracker? A cookie. Like, it's a, it's like a it's a type of cracker bit, cookie. Yeah, uh, yeah. What is the so color it's a, blue? It's a sweet it's a graham cracker. To the British speaking people. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, I don't even know how to. It's a it's a cookie cracker. Cracker cookie. Yeah. It's basically yes. something to keep all the gushiness off your fingers when you eat. Correct. Oh, and then even then it yeah. doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so Amber, if you don't Amber... know what a graham cracker is. Grab a gingerbread cookie or something. Yes, exactly. So that, and then, by crispy, the way, this is the high point of American crispy, culinary experience. And then you so put your people. marshmallow on there, and then put your chocolate on there. Put the other, so it's like a sandwich. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's well, not. It's oh this is not about being the high point of culinary experience. This is no. accessible for anyone, right? Yeah. This is like a simple worship. Really high, I gotta tell you. <laughs> Yes, and that is why it's so good. God invented graham crackers and chocolate <laughs> and marshmallows to be put yes. together. That's how it works. Yes. So, Amen. Amber, what is your answer? <laughs> so, we digress. So, well, this tells you how much I like s'mores that I don't have a fireplace here. Okay. So, I, I make them in the microwave and I am a pro at it. And that and you have to be skilled so you don't burn the graham cracker and you have to know how much to time the oh yeah marshmallow, but but it it can be done if you don't wow. have a fire. But obviously the fire burnt marshmallow is the best, the best. So um I love s'mores. Um but I I really love it when you put a Reese's peanut butter cup instead. Let's go. Oh wow. I've never heard just- that. And thank you, Tim. Tim's get Tim understands. It takes it to another level. Oh, that is next level. You don't like peanut butter, then forget forget I said anything. But I'm telling you, for you peanut butter lovers, you got to put a Reese's peanut butter cup instead of a Hershey bar. Oh, let's go. This is this is good stuff. Tim, what about what about you? What's 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 this more look like for you? Uh, first of all, there's this very fine line between your uh. Uh, marshmallow is overcooked and well cooked. Mm, so you truth. got you want it to be golden brown. You don't really want it to catch fire if at all possible. So you're constantly moving that marshmallow around till it's gooey in the middle and it's just golden on the outside. That's kind there of that go. is kind of the, the go. goal. And then when you put it in your then when you put it in your graham crackers, you got one on bottom, chocolate, marshmallow on top, and you use the top graham cracker to squeeze it off of the stick and you pull it out. And then mm. uh, that is that is the that way you don't burn yeah. yourself. Yeah. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good. It's yeah. a safety. Yes. That's a safety you know tip from doing. Tim Tibbles. That's well, exactly. Well, and I I give that kind of detail for our friends down in New Zealand, so they understand they yeah. don't hurt themselves as they try to make their first Correct. more. So. Correct. They would. <laughs> yeah. Nothing worse than yeah. yeah. But Joe, what about you? What about you? This is. Oh, I'm just loving all the technique and and the new recipes. I mean, that's yeah. And I think that and just to all of our New Zealand friends and others too. You know, there it's a re it's a patient. You you have to be because you'll burn a bunch of marshmallows that you'll mm. catch on fire and and which aren't bad either, really. Not terrible, you know. No. But but when you get just that perfectly golden brown, but you have to be patient, take your time, mm-hmm. and yes. and then it's with the payoff is worth it. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. What well, Grant? Grant, yeah. what about you? Do you have you done it since you uh, left the states, or is this? 
Is this you know you know I I haven't because you can't get graham crackers here, but you can get something similar. But hey, here's the big breakthrough that I found. Uh, a wonderful American friend, actually, was one of the members of Jars of Clay, who told me the thing you got to do is while you're roasting your marshmallow, you put the chocolate on your graham cracker and put it on a rock very close to the fire, so the oh, chocolate wow. is also melty. Ah, oh. and then then you proceed from there and that's, that's that was a big breakthrough for me oh. and, and and let me just say what we're talking about here people is the word is s'mores s apostrophe m o r e s yes because you want some more more most americans and it's it comes from a 1920s american cookbook that called these graham cracker sandwiches some more and so it can, got contracted and it's now in american language s'mores they call it some, do it some mores. Some well, think, mores. Grant, I think God's, God's given us a word here for you. I think you're supposed <laughs> to start an import business and start importing graham crackers and yes. marshmallows into New Zealand and teach well, people this yeah, thing. America that, is very generous yeah. with its culture because yeah. it's, it's so The good. world is like missing this, out. I, well, my wife was watching the, 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 uh, the British Bake Off TV oh, yeah. reality show. And they baked s'mores on there. Oh wow! So Let's it's go. working. It's only took. Yeah. It's only taken a hundred years, but it's getting yeah. out. <laughs> I, if I'm... you need a, if you need a tutorial, uh, go watch the movie Sandlot. It's a great movie, first of all. <laughs> but in there, they have a they have a little like hangout in their you know in their tree fort, and they make s'mores, and they explain exactly how to make them. There so you go. So for beginners, go watch oh, Sandlot. Yeah. Yep. Pick off off of what Amber said with the Reese's peanut butter cup. Uh, I we always get the Ghirardelli chocolate square multi pack oh, when we do oh. s'mores because then you can go caramel, mint, peppermint, oh, like all oh. of the you get to choose. Wow. It's like you choose your flavor and then um, everybody can and it's already like pre pre portioned into the size of the graham cracker. You just open it up, put it on, you know, and then you get to have. Then you have different flavors, different options. There's there's more. You know, I'm too old for s'mores. Until yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You that's, have to teach some younger guys how to make them. Because exactly. Have y'all have y'all seen the marshmallows that are flat now? The little yes. flat squares. Yeah. Oh, oh. America's yeah. come up with everything. Yeah, that's amazing. There's four s'mores. That's so. hey. Hey, Jason, while we were having this conversation about s'mores, uh, can I can I just give a quick encouragement to the older worship pastors who might be yeah. listening to this? Um yeah. Don't leave the platform until your time is actually done. Um, it, we can be quick to rush ourselves out of the leadership role that God has put us in. The truth is, is there is some substance that comes with being older that I don't think when I was younger, I understood. And I was quick to try to find my own, my own position on the stage. Yep. Um, when we sing as a 50 year old worship leader, when I sing goodness of God, it comes from a different place than it does. Yeah, as a amen. Amen. And so I want to yeah. encourage you, God is giving you something as an older worship leader that younger worship leaders just don't have. And don't rob the church of that experience and of amen. that substance that nobody else can give. So I say that to all of you on here, but also everyone mm -hmm. listening, be encouraged. Your time is not done. until the Lord returns and says, I'm ready. I'm ready for my, for my thing back. But, uh, but until then keep leading and lead well. I want to add Amen. a word to that. And thank you, Tim. That is just beautiful. And, and that is um, pastors, encourage your worship leaders to be relevant, encourage mm -hmm. them to be excellent, encourage them to stay up on new music and all of those things. 
but pastors do not walk away from worship leaders that have walked with God uh, through valleys and over mountains and experienced his presence in ways uh, that the younger people just haven't yet. And don't just take that off of the stage because somebody's, you know, hit a certain age and you go, well, and you're not relevant. And you go, no, what's relevant is when those people lead and people experience God and they want to keep coming back because they experience God in your church, not because you have a young, cool guy doing a hip song. And, you know, be careful about who you hire or don't hire and be careful about who you take off your stage if it involves age because you miss something huge. Yep, yep. You guys are awesome. Thanks for thanks for pouring. That those are that's a great way to end today. Those are uh, this is a good. I hope if you're listening, you walk away encouraged and walk away knowing that it's okay to get older. It's okay to eat s'mores. And it's okay to <laughs> it's okay to just like to to be who you are and continue on this conversation. And like Grant, learn something new at an old age. Yeah. Yes. Start an import business. <laughs> Wow. We will see everybody here. Uh we'll see everybody here next month uh, on the yeah, table. I'm never snap a Tim. <laughs> <laughs>